Good evening, church. Um, as you might have guessed, the Bible reading today comes from John 1, um, verses 1 to 18. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Hello, everybody. Do uh, keep your Bibles open there at John chapter 1 as uh, we begin working our way through this amazing gospel. Uh, I don't know if any of you are on, the, uh, on, on Twitter at all. I realise it's not kind of, you know, one of the trendy social media, like Be Real or something, but uh, it, uh, it, it is, uh, I'm on there. Um, I don't, actually, I don't know anyone else from church who's on there, so maybe people are, but uh, I, don't, I don't know anyone. I'm not, I don't follow anyone. But uh, on Twitter, you get a 160-letter uh, limit in terms of the posts that you can do, uh, and also in terms of the biography that you're going to give people. Uh, your little, uh, little, you know, introduction to the world on Twitter. Uh, you have to fit everything about you in 160 characters. You really have to cut to the chase. You kind of have to try and capture the essence of who you are. I don't know. What, what would you have uh, if you had 160 characters uh, to sum up who you are? Uh, what would you want to include? Would you maybe include your uh, faith, your job, your degrees, uh, your family, uh, your pets, your hobbies, uh, your nationality, your Myers-Briggs personality type. Uh, I've seen all of those on uh, Twitter uh, bios. Um, I actually don't have a Twitter bio myself. Um, I'm there with uh, Elon Musk, the owner of Twitter. Uh, he doesn't have a bio either. I, was, I looked this week to see what, what he had, and he's got nothing. I guess, uh, you know, if people like us, if people don't know who we are, then that's, uh, that's their loss. Uh, I was thinking, what, what would I, what, what might I put on my uh, Twitter bio if I was going to get myself in 160 characters? Uh, I suppose, uh, you know, I'm in church, so disciple of Jesus might be, might be a good thing, wouldn't it? Um, uh, husband, uh, Simone's here tonight, need to say that. Uh, 
father, of course, uh, boys, if you're watching online, um, pastor, reverend, uh, bikepacker, uh, ISFP, for those who know, um, Presbyterian, uh, dog owner, actually, uh, that's uh, only about 93-word characters, I think, so I could put all of those, uh, if I wanted to, into my bio. But tonight, as we begin to think about the Gospel of John, uh, we have this incredible summary of Jesus' biography. It's really a breathtaking uh, summary of uh, the Son of God. Now, John has, uh, he probably wasn't on Twitter, uh, he has taken a little more than 160 characters uh, to make his bio of Jesus. But interestingly, I, uh, when I had a bit of a, bit of a look uh, and counted on Microsoft Word, um, it's actually about 1,600 characters in uh, John 1, 1 to 18. So, there you go. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're interested, that's in English, of course. But even though it takes 1,600 characters, this really is the most amazing, attention-grabbing, all-encompassing bio of Jesus, well, in the Bible, I think. In just 1,600 characters, John here captures the essence of Jesus' relationship to God. He captures the essence of Jesus' part in God's plan since creation of the world. Uh, He captures the essence of Jesus' mission, Uh, in coming to earth. And I reckon in 1,600 characters, uh, that is is a pretty good effort. But I did wonder, what what might John do if he only had 160 characters to capture uh, Jesus? And uh, this was my attempt here. And, uh, oh, let's see if I've got my clicker working here. Oh, there we go. Um, This is my attempt for John chapter 1 in 160 characters. God, uh, light and life in a dark world, became flesh and revealed glory, brought grace and truth. Um, It's actually 94 characters. Um, So, uh, and if you have an outline, uh, you'll see this is actually the outline of my talk today, so uh, that's why I cut it back like this. Well, let's uh, dive in. John chapter 1, verse 1, it opens with a bang. It's a bit like a James Bond movie, you know, they start with James Bond kind of riding a motorbike across roofs or uh, diving off cliffs to catch a plane in midair or something like that. And John really starts with a kind of sizzling start. Uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. First readers of John's Gospel, they would included both uh, Jewish people uh, who understood a lot about the Old Testament and, and knew the kind of story of God's plans, but also would have included Greek people who knew nothing about the Old Testament, but were maybe more familiar with the world of Greek philosophy and Greek thinking. And by John, in John's first sentence, it would have captured the interest of both these groups of people. Uh, for Jewish readers... Uh, they would have heard those echoes of Genesis chapter 1 at the start of the Bible where it says, you know, God created the universe just by speaking. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, you know, let there be stars in the sky, and they were there. God said, let there be plants, let there be people. And God's Word is so creative and productive. But this here is another level uh, from Genesis Here in John, the Word has a separate identity from God. 
The word isn't just sounds that come out of God's mouth. The word is described as being God, but also as being with God. And for a Jewish person, this would be a mind-blowing development. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's so repeated and drilled into people. There is one God. Israel's not like all the other nations who have all their idols and all sorts of gods, and the Greek people had all sorts of gods. In the Old Testament, there is one God. But now we've got the Word uh, who is with God. Now, some Bible readers over the centuries, going right back to the beginning and, uh, and then even today, they just can't get their heads around the idea that the Bible could introduce uh, another person into being God. And so they say, well, maybe the Word is just like a kind of lesser divine being. He's like a very powerful angel and he's kind of described as being God just as a sort of, you know, uh, it's, it's a bit of an exaggeration. It's not really there. But John excludes that, doesn't he? Twice he says the Word was in the beginning. Not the Word was created in the beginning. In fact, the Word did all the creating. The Word was there in the beginning first amazing thing that John wants us to know about Jesus is that He is God. The way theologians describe their, uh, Jesus' relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit is they, they talk about Jesus being the same essence as the Father but a different person. Uh, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one God in three persons. One God uh, who is a trinity. See, Jesus isn't just a teacher or a philosopher or a life coach or a therapist. He's not just someone that we should respect, uh, someone who has the right information that we should give our attention to. Jesus is someone we should worship. He is worthy of our worship. I pray for all of us that in the coming months as we make our way through John's Gospel, that it will lead us to worship Jesus more wholeheartedly. That we'll see His divine uh, character revealed more and more and that that will lead us to fully recognize who he is as well as in the coming months i pray that in the coming week uh, this might be a week where you reflect on the fact that jesus is god that your life is full of worship for him but getting back to this uh, this first sentence in john dramatic for a jewish person Dramatic also, though, for a Greek person, because uh, in Greek culture, uh, even though they'd never read the Old Testament, they did have a very strong concept of the Word, or literally in Greek, it's the Logos, uh, is the, the Greek word. Uh, and uh, the Logos, it was considered a kind of organizing principle of the universe. If you've heard of Stephen Hawking's and his theory of everything, or maybe you haven't gone to Stephen Hawking, Sheldon Cooper and his theory of everything, um, uh, that, that, that's what the Logos was. Uh, they thought that there was this organizing principle uh, behind everything in the universe. But the thing that John says here, which is surprising, is the Logos is a he. The Logos isn't like an equation, a scientific principle. The organizing principle of the universe is actually a person. And that's so wonderful for the way that we think about our universe. See, naturalistic science that has no God it presents our world as one of random fate, survival of the fittest, impersonal, where, where everything is just like a cog in a big machine. 
Concepts like love or justice or purpose, they're just illusions. They're things we kind of make up for ourselves as humans to try and cover up the blind, pitiless indifference of existence. Thing is though, that's what would be the case if you believe in naturalistic science, but no one really lives like that, do they? There's very few people who, if you speak to them and say, well, what's the most important thing in your life? What do people say? It's relationships, isn't it? It's love. The vast majority of people, when they you know, hear of disasters on the, on the TV and uh, hear of you know, the, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria uh, or uh, the, the, the ongoing war in Ukraine, uh, our hearts just go out to people, don't they? The people on the other side of the world, they've got nothing to do with us, but we feel that sense of empathy. Uh, we feel a sense of sadness at their pain. We feel a sense of uh, anger and injustice. We have this strong, deep sense that uh, there is meaning to our universe, there is purpose, uh, and uh, so things upset us. But these things don't make sense if we're in an impersonal, random universe. Our need for relationships, our deep desire for justice or for love, they make sense if we live in a world where the organising principle is a person. And they especially make sense if we live in a world where the thing behind the whole universe uh, is a God who is uh, triune, is a God who, where Father, Son and Holy Spirit uh, have been living together in a perfect relationship of love for all eternity. Uh, we are people who are created in their image. Uh, our world is created by this God who is absolutely personal. Uh, a great summary of John 1 and other parts of the Bible that uh, theologians came up with a long time ago, back uh, in the uh, uh, 4th century, um, uh, they, uh, is the, the Nicene Creed. And uh, I just want to read a little bit of, for you here, a uh, wonderful summary of Jesus. We believe, and this is just a part of the Creed, uh, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence of the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation He came down from heaven, became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made human. It's a great summary, and if you're thinking, how can I reflect on Jesus this week as God, reflect on His divine character, you go online, find, find the uh, Nicene Creed, it's called, the Nicene Creed. Uh, just read a bit of it each day. There's a bit at the beginning about God the Father, another bit at the end about God the Spirit, which is also wonderful, uh, but just read it and give thanks to God uh, for who He is. Jesus is God. That's the first thing that John wants us to know. Secondly, though, uh, John wants to know that Jesus is light and life in a dark world. Have a look in verse 4. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The verses John again is echoing the words of Genesis chapter 1. God says, let there be light, and it shines into the darkness. Uh, here again we have the light shining in the darkness. But this is not just the creation, physical light and uh, physical life. John here is talking about the Word of God bringing a new light and life into the darkness that has descended on our world since the first creation. 
Now, John doesn't go into a lot of detail about what the light or what the darkness looks like in these verses. I'll definitely be getting there later in the Gospel. Uh, But there is a hint there if you look in verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The sense that there is resistance to God in our world. Even though the light of the Creator is shining in, people don't want to see it. Even His own people don't want to see it. We don't have to look very far to see the darkness in our world, do we? Justice, crime, greed, abuse of power, broken relationships, conflict, are the things that we see around us, the things that we uh, read in the news, uh, the things that we experience in our own life and our own families. There is a darkness in our world. There is a darkness in our hearts. But Jesus has come to shine a spotlight into the darkness. And uh, we know that Jesus' spotlight is all powerful and successful because when John writes his other book, the book of Revelation, at the very end of the Bible, and he describes the new creation after Jesus has done all of his work, how does he describe it? He says there's a place where there is no more night because Jesus' perfect light is everywhere. Jesus shines his light into the darkness and his light brings life. Just as uh, we see the sunlight bringing life into our world, making your grass grow uh, at uh, 15 centimetres a week and uh, all your trees grow green and lush. The light of Jesus, it brings life into our decaying and dying world. Uh, He gives us new birth into God's own family. Have a look in verse 12. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of a natural descent, nor a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Often in the Bible it talks about being adopted by God, and that is a beautiful picture of uh, the new relationship that we have with God as, uh, as, as Christians. Actually here it goes a little bit further than just that. It talks actually about of being born into God's new family. You actually get a real family connection. God actually gives us new hearts, comes and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I go on Amazon to, uh, to buy books and uh, often uh, some commentaries or something, uh, they keep advertising to me this book called Atomic Habits, um, which I think uh, I've read the little you know, blurb and it's a, a classic life hack book on how you can become more productive in life by making lots of little changes to your habits. Uh, it actually looks pretty interesting. I'm kind of interested in that stuff and so I'm probably going to buy it at some point because Amazon knows me and uh, keeps uh, flashing it in front of me. But just changing habits, th- that, that is not what John is saying that Jesus brings here. Jesus brings us something far deeper than a change of habits, a change of lifestyle, uh, a change of uh, rules that you live by. When we believe in Jesus, John says, we are born again from the inside. We are washed and filled with His Spirit. We have like a, a heart transplant 
where God gives us new hearts that have no more darkness in them. It's like our spiritual genetics actually change so that we really and truly do belong to God's family. And that's such wonderful news. Uh, And we're going to be seeing that uh, as we go through the gospel. Jesus is God. Uh, Jesus is light and life in our world. The way he becomes light and life in our world is by becoming flesh. Jesus doesn't uh, zap us from afar. Um, He doesn't uh, send his angels down from heaven just to send someone to try and help us. Uh, He doesn't Zoom call us from heaven uh, to say, how are you going? No, Jesus actually comes in person and reveals God's glory. Verse 14, perhaps the key verse in this whole passage. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Jesus who is fully God became fully human. That the Creator of everything becomes a part of His creation. Uh, the author of the universe becomes a part of his story. Uh, the pa- painter who painted our, the, the universe uh, becomes a feature in his own painting. And as he does that, he lets us, his creatures, see his glory up close and personal. As we heard in the, the video, when, when John says that Jesus made his dwelling among us, he's saying he became a tabernacle among us. Just as God gave the Israelites in the desert a tent where he would dwell uh, and reveal his glory to them, so Jesus is the dwelling place of God amongst us. When we look to him, we see God's glory. What we're going to see as we continue on through the gospel is that the kind of glory that Jesus brings is perhaps very different to what we might expect. The glory that Jesus reveals of God is not the glory of wealth or power or popularity. His glory is the glory of love and the glory of service. As we see when we read on, uh, John in particular, out of all the Gospels, describes the moment where Jesus fully reveals His glory and that is the moment of the cross. It's when Jesus dies for our sins that He has His greatest triumph. It's when Jesus dies for our sins that He most clearly shows us everything we need to know about who Jesus is. It's kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? It's often, we want God to give us earthly glory, or we want God to make us successful, or popular, or powerful. But the kind of glory that He offers is the glory of Jesus' life, the glory of a life of love, a life of service. The other thing that the word becoming flesh reminds us is the importance of life in our flesh. Uh, Many Greek philosophers back at uh, the time when John was writing, they kind of thought that life here in the flesh was uh, pretty second-rate. They they looked down on it. Uh, The most real life was actually your spiritual life uh, and uh, real life, the best life was in the spiritual realm. What happens here on earth, it's pretty messy, uh, it's very kind of physical and it's a bit degrading really, your body. uh, And so what you do with your body, it doesn't really matter because let's get rid of that and it's what happens in the spiritual realm that matters. There's a little bit of that in our culture too, isn't there? Uh, Kind of downplaying who you are in your body, uh, who you really are, got to look into yourself. uh, It's uh, who you think you are, it's who you feel you are. So you are on the inside, that, that's the essence of you and your body might get in the way of that. Now, 
It's not totally wrong. Uh, who we are on the inside is very important. But the Bible never makes it, uh, so it never puts that in opposition to who we are on the outside, to our bodies. And it, once you get a, a big disconnect between kind of who you are on the inside, who you think and feel and uh, imagine you are, and who you are on the outside, what your body is, that becomes a problem. That, that becomes hypocrisy. Uh, it lacks authenticity. You can't ignore your body. You can't ignore the outside of who you are. Uh, Jesus created our bodies. He created life in the flesh. But He didn't just create it. He came He became flesh Himself. He knows what it's like to live in a frail and finite and weak body. And He wants us to honour Him in the flesh as well as in our minds. He wants us to love others in the flesh as well as in our minds. So the Word became flesh, revealed God's glory. And the final thing that John tells us about Jesus in this uh, summary is that uh, when He comes to our world, He reveals God's truth and grace. Uh, the controversial thing that God says, uh, that John says about Jesus bringing uh, grace and truth is that He brings more grace and truth than Moses. Verse 16, out of His fullness we've all received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the greatest moment when God reveals Himself is when He comes down to Sinai and He gives the Ten Commandments, there's thunder and lightning and a cloud on the mountain, uh, God uh, passes in front of Moses up on the mountain and uh, Moses' face becomes shining and as God passes by Moses, He uh, shares His name with him, He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. People of Israel had a, a great moment of God's grace and truth there on Sinai. But John says Jesus brings something even better. He brings grace in the place of grace. He brings all the fullness of God's grace and truth. He reveals everything there is to know about God's kindness and God's truth. We don't need any more prophets. We don't need any more special words from the Lord. We don't need any more mountaintop experiences or special visions Jesus, the one and only Son, who is with the Father, in closest relationship to Him, He has made God known to us. I wonder if you're satisfied with Jesus. I wonder if you're satisfied with the full and complete revelation of God that He gives you. If you feel a bit distant from God, if you feel that you don't know God as well as you're like? The answer to that feeling is Jesus. The answer, I think John would say, is come and read the gospel that I've written for you. And we're going to do that over the next four months. We're going to read it. Uh, read it here at church. Hopefully read it if you're in a growth group. Read it with other people together. Uh, read it by yourself. Uh, get a Bible reading plan and, and, and uh, read, read the gospel. Jesus, who is full of grace and truth. Jesus reveals God's glory more fully than anything else or anyone else. It's only through Him that we get up close and personal with the God of the universe, our Creator and our Heavenly Father. 
We've done a 1600 character summary. We've got a whole book to go, jam-packed, full of the glory of God revealed in the person of Jesus. Uh, I hope it's going to be great. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that uh, he was with you in the beginning, that he is uh, divine with you, uh, but that also he is uh, a person in his own right. We thank you that he became flesh, made his dwelling amongst us. We thank you that he reveals your glory completely and fully and truly. We pray that in the coming months we might get to know him better, that we might get to know you better, that we might be full, have hearts that are full of worship, uh, that uh, live uh, the, uh, the lives of worship uh, that we were created for. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.